Hey y'all, welcome back to Mountain Birders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. All right, let's start the show with some business. It's business time. Yeah, I'm afraid my wife's about to kick my ass. Well, we won't bore everyone with the details of that, but we have some new supporters on Patreon. So let's give those lovely individuals a shout out. We have Amity stepping out at our highest level. Wow. Thank you so much, Amity. We have Pam and also Lauren who've signed up with Patreon. Yes, they're uh, Patreon buddies signing up all there in a the row. And if you want to sign up for Patreon, it's only a dollar a month. We have other levels, but you can access bonus content, extra material. It's cool to be a Patreon patron. So check us out. If you love Mountain Murders, can't get enough of us, go over there, sign up, and you can have more podcasts. Yeah, and they're the lifeblood of this podcast. So be on the lookout. We have an announcement, kind of. Drum roll. Pre-announcement announcement. announcement. (laughs) (laughs) We are planning a live show. Hello. You've spoken. We've listened. We've actually had a few people reach out and ask, when are you guys going to do a live show? I'll make plans. I'll drive up. You let me know when it is. We are in the process of planning a live show. And it's going to be so much fun to meet some of our listeners in person. Well, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, that's the best part. It's actually meeting some of the folks who listen to Mountain Murders, who are part of our Facebook community, who follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We have a lot of active people with social media. I just can't wait to meet some of you. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. And we'll have details to follow once we iron out... All of the kinks, we'll let you know, and of course, we'll probably do plenty of advertising. So, oh, we'll have to, yeah, because you'll be able to know. They might not show up. Make your plans. Do you <laughs> have a fear of that? Well, yeah, of course, but then I'll also be scared if they did show up. Yeah, because <laughs> now you got to do something. Do you have anxiety about a live show? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, I have anxiety about a lot of stuff. Does it make you nervous to think about doing this show live? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll be lying if I said it didn't. Are you going to say inappropriate things? Am I going to have to give you the look? You may have to consult with my mom and get the, the look down. But you have a good look because you were looking at me earlier and I just quit talking. Right? Yeah, you were frustrating me a little bit. Yeah, a I lot, did not notice. I'm bit. just kidding. I did notice. Yeah. About the time you so called Dylan's me So Dylan's been at a timeout. So if he doesn't seem as exuberant as... He normally would be. I'm bringing it back. It's because he's in timeout. Yeah, I thought you was going to swing on me. I wanted to throw a shoe at you, but Uh, I didn't. Yes. I resisted. Yes, but I think now we're in a better place. Well, we're not really. I still have those feelings, but I've always heard the phrase, fake it till you make it. Yeah. So here we are. You just got You can't live in the past, and you just got to let that shit go, girl. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, yeah, isn't that what damn, what's a little girl in the, shit, I don't know, frozen? Let it go, right? Oh, you mean Elsa? Yeah, her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, what are we going to do now? We have a great case to talk about. Okay, so this is a little different. You know, we tend to focus on the Appalachian region kind of locally. You know, we're in North Carolina, so mm. we've... Had cases in Tennessee, Georgia, Virginia, Kentucky, West Virginia, Ohio. But the Appalachian Mountain Range is pretty big. It goes from Georgia to Maine. That is a a lot of area. That's a lot of Appalachian Mountains. And so there's a lot of stuff out there that we have not even tapped into. There is a whole iceberg of information, true crime cases. And this is one of those. Today, we're going to take it all the way up to New Hampshire. Wow. Have you ever been to New Hampshire? No. It's beautiful. Yeah, I bet. um, I wonder how they would think about the way we talk up there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably, yeah. Would they say stuff like clam chowder? Would they say that? I don't recall people in New Hampshire really having that kind of an accent, but yeah, that's definitely like a, that's what we call a mass hole. A mass hole? Yeah, Massachusetts. Ah. A mass hole. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I can say that because I lived there briefly and it was really fucking cold. 
Yeah, I can imagine you up there where it's cold like that. Yeah, I don't like it. But New Hampshire's beautiful. The mountains in New Hampshire, a little different from what we have here, but really pretty. Okay. So very nice. But when we deal with a case where there's a child involved, always tough. Yeah, that's the ones that get me. So this is a case that definitely kind of hit me in the feels. I'm pretty cold hearted, but yeah, this this brought up some feelings for me. So if you are disturbed by very sensitive types of content involving children, that kind of stuff, you might not want to listen. Is that the only warning label we ever give? Just a little warning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I figure if you're listening to true crime, you're probably okay with it. Well, yeah, but yeah, the kid stuff gets me and it can be tough. So if uh, that does bother you, you're going to want to check out of, the, of this episode and click on another one. But I feel like this is a really important case. And people oh. need to know the story. Okay. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. We're taking it back to Columbus Day weekend 2003. Ten-year-old Patrick McCarthy and his family were vacationing at a condo near Loon Mountain in Lincoln, New Hampshire. The three-day weekend was in celebration of Patrick's birthday. His father, Stephen, his stepmother, Margaret, who is known as Max, and his stepbrothers um, are along for the trip. Patrick is a fourth grader at James Peebles Elementary School, and he was described as a shy, timid little boy by those who knew him. All right. He was last seen alive on the afternoon of October 13th. Patrick, along with his two stepbrothers, Gabe Fritz, who's 12 years old at the time, and Noah Fritz, 7, they're racing back from the playground. You know, they were at this condo. It had this playground. The boys had gone over there to play. And they're kind of racing back, you know, to the condo when Patrick disappears. Just like that. Just like that. All right. According to reports, Stephen and Max, stepmother, were out at an Oktoberfest until about 10 or 10.30 p.m. on the Saturday before his disappearance. And then again on the Sunday, they had left the boys alone again in Gabe's care, according to some reports. So Gabe is the older stepbrother. So he's kind of left in charge. 12, 10, and 7. 12, 10, and 7. But I figure they're at these condos. There's a playground. It's kind of a resort type of area, perhaps. 2003, that maybe is not so unusual. No, I mean, I could, if I'm on the resort, like if I'm just over here or say, you know, like we were just in Hilton Head. We were, if I went to the beach, we went to the beach and Ayla was there at the condo, you know, a couple of buildings over. But I don't think I would leave. You know, I wouldn't leave and go somewhere way off. I right. Be. But I, I could see letting them go to the playground by themselves and things like that, maybe. Well, I guess everybody has a different parenting style. And depending on the maturity of the older kids. Right. You know, it might not be so unusual for this boy Gabe to be in charge. Right. I don't know. But Patrick's missing and a massive search ensues. Hundreds of searchers, including New Hampshire Fish and Wildlife Wardens, dozens of volunteers from the Cape, they spend five days combing the rugged terrain of the White Mountains. Patrick's body is discovered two and a half miles up Whaleback Mountain. Now, the boy is four foot ten, he weighs about 85 pounds. He was found face down in the dirt. In this area where there was a lot of dense brush and trees, his coat, hat, socks, and a Game Boy, which he'd been given as a gift, were all missing. Well, that's weird. Like half his clothes and a Game Boy? His death is ruled accidental, with the cause being hypothermia. Yeah, I don't know about that. However, friends and family do not believe Patrick's death was accidental. So let's get into some of the details of this story. There are a lot of kind of twists and turns here. Yeah. That we're going to talk about. Well, it's just, it's I, kind of a wild story. I was thinking about what you said there. So they're running from the playground back to the condo, if you will. And which I'm going to assume is fairly close 
close proximity to each other. And then he's, boom, he's two, two and a half miles up a mountain? Yes. That's just, that's that's weird. It's a weird story. Okay. So let's talk about some of the weirdness. All right, let's do it. All right. First thing, Whaleback Mountain is a peak in the White Mountains National Forest with a ski resort that's dating back to about the 1950s. So kind of a popular area for tourists, right? Yeah. Big kind of ski town, whatever. The mountains, the steepness and the navigation for hikers is labeled as difficult. The elevation is 3,576 feet. All right, that's up there pretty good. The website Gaia GPS, so I checked out the site, has 14 hiking trails listed for this specific area, and all of them are considered difficult trails. I mean, these are trails for, like, serious hikers. Oh, so it's not... Not just people out for a stroll. Right, so you're not going to get out with the meal for four from Kentucky Fried Chicken and take it up through there and go eat it. No. Right. This is very rugged kind of terrain. The area where Patrick's body was found is atop a steep mountain. There are ledges where one would have to traverse. Blowdowns one would have to climb over or go around. And one has to pull themselves up at points. Like there's inclines where you might actually have to do like a little bit of like climbing kind of with your oh hands to get yeah. through some of the area. Yeah, that sounds like somewhere a 10-year-old would run off to. Now, Patrick's hands were completely clean when his body was found. So this is one of the first things that's just not sitting right, right. with family. Because it doesn't sound like you would get through that up to where he was at with uh, clean hands, knees, or feet. No dirt is found under his nails. There's no dirt on his hands, which just does not fit the standard of how most people who take this hike or climb this mountain end up when they get to the top. Right. They're sweaty. They're dirty. They their clothes put in are work. dirty. Their hands are dirty. You know. Yeah. They're muddy, dirty, mucky. I mean, this is a pretty serious climb slash hike. Yeah, I'd say the investigators noticed that um, instantly. Well, it's an unusual detail. The second thing that's just very strange. Dr. Murray Hamlet is a cold injury expert who worked for the Army Research Institute of Environmental Medicine for over 20 years. He was interviewed by the FBI in the death of Patrick McCarthy. Dr. Hamlet said before he had any backstory on the case, just judging from the autopsy and the photos, he believed it was not consistent with hypothermia. When they found the boy's body, he was like stretched out Yeah. in photos. And based on his experience with those who succumb to hypothermia, most of the people, their bodies are like in a curled up fetal position. People try to protect themselves, keep that body heat, curl up, they shiver. Patrick was found standing almost as if he was on his feet. And just sort of fell, like stretched out. Yeah. Which was very unusual. Hypothermia victims do often remove articles of clothing, which could explain why Patrick's coat, hat, socks were missing. Now, if it was accidental, that could make sense. That maybe in the last stages he started stripping off his clothes. That happens. Yeah, you know, um, they're not even sure quite why that happens, but... The theory is that it's your body's last ditch effort um, to warm itself. So it just every bit of your last energy is, you know, put into heating your skin or however however that works, and therefore creates this, you know, feeling of uh, being, you know, like you're overheating when you're really not. So yeah, real typical for people to strip down to naked almost. Now the strange thing is the items were missing from the scene and never recovered. At no point did investigators or searchers ever find these missing articles of clothing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. They never found socks, coat, hat, the Game Boy. It was as if those things had just disappeared. 
So if Patrick did take off his clothes, why were they never found? Yeah. It was a deeply wooded area, so maybe it was overlooked, but it seems investigators would try to find those articles of clothing. Or find one of them, anyway. Or that searchers who are combing the area would find something, right? Six experts overall were asked to review the photos and the autopsy report. All six concluded evidence was overlooked and hypothermia was not the cause of death. Patrick's body had dirt in his nose and cuts in his gums, all cited by experts as though his head had been pushed down into the ground. Ah. One of the medical examiners, I believe she was maybe the assistant, her name was Rosemary Swain, in the initial autopsy, had noted, it's called, how I can't, I know I'm butchering this, and we probably got some medical folks out there who are going to be like, what the fuck is she talking about? But pedicia, pedicia, it's basically small spots on the skin that suggest broken blood vessels, which is an indication that Patrick may have been asphyxiated. Right. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't say the word either. Yeah, I know. I'm no medical person, so. Right, but that's (laughs) common in people that are asphyxiated. Yes. Compared to, now, would that happen if you're strangled? Or is it, I think it's, I think it's different. I think, yeah. It's probably a different kind of marking or... No, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think it. I think it. Yeah, I think it is quite different. It might be visually different, right? With the blood vessels and how they pop, or capillaries bursting, or bigger vessels. I mean, I'm not like I said, I'm no medical person, but I would imagine it's probably a little different trauma. Yeah, specific to that. The third thing we need to address is a private investigator named Terrence O'Connell was hired by the family to look into the case. And that's how we got some of these expert opinions, because he's on the case. He's sending out these photos, these reports. He's a pretty thorough guy. He discovered some startling evidence, including a witness who told Massachusetts and New Hampshire police that before the weekend trip, an unnamed witness had told three people, including a teacher in Bourne, Massachusetts, where they lived, that Patrick was not coming back from his family's trip to New Hampshire. Really? A witness overheard the talk of this boy's not coming home. Well, that's something you'd remember. In an interview, O'Connell said there were specific details about the scene that only a killer or someone who knew about the killing would know. O'Connell believes a juvenile and two adults conspired to kill Patrick and that he was suffocated. Wow. O'Connell says a number of factors point to foul play, including events leading up to Patrick's disappearance. So we've got a lot of factors coming into play here that are going to paint this picture that this is potentially not an accidental death. How? So I I thought I would give you guys kind of the basics and then we would break it down into these like sections like first, second, third, because I wanted to kind of give you guys the bulk of this information. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... So I don't know if I'm doing that in a confusing manner. I thought it might work a little bit better to break this stuff down. No, no, I think you're doing a fine job on that. But but um, how in the hell would they think it's accidental? That's what I don't get here because, I mean, none of this sounds like where a kid wanders off, even if they're gallivanting, trying to be an adventurer. Kids do do that. You know, I'm going to go up here. Maybe they're... Earlier in the day, they wanted to go, but their parents said, you're not going to go, or you can't, or we're not doing it right now. Well, screw that. I'm going to go by myself then. Kids do stuff like that. But we're talking an extreme, a fairly extreme trail, two, two and a half miles up a rough trail. That's a good, that's a good haul right there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's from, probably going to take even an experienced hiker probably a good three. Yeah. Four hours. Yeah, when you're literally climbing with yeah. your hands and feet and during parts of it and pulling up. I mean, that's a rough trail. That sounds like it'd eat my big ass up. But so thickly wooded. It's cold. I mean, it's just, it, yeah. And it's even if a- the child wandered off perhaps the path and got into the woods and got turned around, 
Which can happen it easily. It just seems like even a child at 10 would kind of know that, like, I didn't I didn't come down this big hill. I'll go down. I don't need to climb up this mountain. I need to stop going up. I need to turn around and go back down. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. We have kids. I just can't imagine that our, our children would be like, I'm going to climb up here. Oh, they're not going to climb up anywhere. Well, we know our kids are just going to sit down where they are and wait for In their bedroom. To them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um. we'd be lucky if we got them out of the house. I get that. <laughs> Let's move on to the fourth part of this. Oh, my God. Inconsistencies in stories. A major theory has surfaced that Gabe Fritz, that's the 12-year-old stepbrother, was involved. The 12-year-old was one of the last persons to see Patrick alive. Federal investigation records obtained by a newspaper show that their case and investigation centered around this boy. So even the FBI would be brought in to take a look at this. Yeah. And they think this boy... There's Somehow involved. There's something up with him. He gave conflicting stories about where Patrick entered the woods... So he's saying, oh, we were kind of running back from the playground, and Patrick just sort of turns around and takes off into the woods. It's kind of like his story. Right. Then he later tells investigators that he, at some point during the day, got mad at Patrick, was annoyed with him, pushed him to the ground, and sat on his back. Now, at first, he doesn't tell investigators this piece of information. He waits until on down the line when he's interviewed again. Which, he's a kid. He's 12. I mean, you know, that's still more kid than grown. But, yeah, I mean, that seems like something maybe he would mention. He then tells investigators that he was upset because Stephen McCarthy, his stepfather, had put him in charge that day. Stephen McCarthy says he did not put Gabe in charge and had expressed to all three boys, like, don't go past the river, don't leave the playground area. Yeah. When you're finished playing, you're going to come right back to the condo. Stepdad's saying, no, I did not tell this boy he's in charge. I mean, and it could be that he's the oldest of the three, so he naturally feels like he's the responsible party. Right. Who knows? And it could be the stepdad didn't want to admit that he did tell him he was damn in charge and that they were kind of maybe off a little further than they should have been. I'm speculating, but that could be possible as well. Initially, Gabe told investigators he didn't have any kind of altercation with Patrick, and then, of course, later he recanted. Now, Gabe passed a polygraph exam but his mother, Max, her polygraph was inconclusive. Max is an interesting nickname for a woman. Which we know that those lie detector tests are kind of junk. They are. I mean, they, they have merit to a, deg- you know, a degree in an investigation. I think they can sometimes, uh, they a lot of times clear people more than they incriminate people. But, um, but yeah, it's... it's basically junk science, but yeah, it can help a little bit. On the day Patrick went missing, Gabe told investigators he's going to be hard to find. That's weird. When a state trooper named Russell Hubbard asked Gabe, why would you make that kind of statement unless you know where Patrick is? The boy says, oh, well, I just mean because he's small. Yeah. The trooper, he's a little startled by this remark. He finds it odd. He writes up a report. He suggests in his report that they bring in a specialist to interview children because he was skeptical about Gabe's statements. Yeah, forensic interviewer. It's another part of the story that's very strange. Troopers had brought in canines in hopes of catching a scent of the little boy. Right. Well, I guess they didn't have any items around, which I thought was very odd. Of the boys that would have a scent on it? Right. Because apparently the stepmother, Max, had washed all of his clothes. Like immediately after he disappeared. She flies in and does all the laundry. Yeah, because I'm going to go do chores now. My damn kid's missing. They call a family friend, Tracy Langley, and asked her to drive up a blanket that had belonged to Patrick. But... Max had washed it days before he went missing and placed it in a plastic bag. 
basically they bring this blanket up that's in a plastic bag that's just been washed days before. It's almost like someone doesn't want you to have something with this scent on it. That's strange. Here's the fifth part of the story that's very strange. Other witnesses have come forward and said the home life for Patrick was not ideal. His biological mother is Dee Murray. She didn't have full custody, but she saw him on the weekends. She says that Patrick never wanted to return to his dad's house after weekend visits. Sunday would roll around. And it was time for Patrick to go home, you know, to his dad's. Right. He dreaded it. He didn't want to go. He would beg, please let me stay here with you. Didn't want to go home. Ten-year-old Patrick had told his mother just, I guess, weeks before he had gone missing that during a game of Truth or Dare, the stepbrother Gabe, the 12-year-old, the older boy, had made a remark that could be interpreted as a sexual advance. Oh. So kids play truth or dare. Our kids have played truth or dare in our house. They better not be playing that damn truth or dare. You know, they play this game. This is like a normal thing for kids to do, right? But this is odd because this boy is making this sexual advance about oral sex. I'm going to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it was probably something like, I want you to do this to me. I dare you to blah, blah, blah. Right. That's what it sounds like just from what I was reading. Yeah. Different reports. Yeah. Well, Dee, as a mother, obviously very upset. Her first reaction is to call Stephen, which is her baby daddy, and get to the bottom of it. He wasn't really taking the claim very seriously, so she threatened to file a police report. I mean, she was like, if you do not do something about this, figure this out punish this boy, figure out what the hell's going on, I'm going to the cops. Now, could you, I mean, I I understand custody sucks, but could, and I don't know the full extent of their, you know, their situation, obviously, but just knowing that, uh, have that seed planted in your damn head and your son, and sometimes kids are reluctant to go back just because of simply parenting styles are different. This parent's a little more fun. You know, there might be a little more strict, you know, things like that. But time, weekend after weekend, every weekend, so it's happening four times a month, you know, never wants to go back. Literally dreading it. And then have that damn thing planted in your head. And then he's, you know, your baby daddy ex not taking it serious. Could you imagine? That'd be pure torture for a parent. Oh, absolutely. Margaret, or Max, would later dispute this claim saying it was simply like teen bravado and they were playing and basically like boys will be boys. Nah, yeah, I hate that statement for so many reasons. A friend of the family said the situation added strain between Patrick and his stepfamily. It seems it was already a bitter situation with this new stepfamily. You know, he feels kind of like the odd ball out because his New stepmother has two kids. Yeah. It's like two on one. Right. I mean, that's kind of... And they're all boys. That has to feel like you're kind of being ganged up on, even if you're not. Like in your kid brain. Right. I'm sure. And unless dad really has your back, but it doesn't sound like maybe dad doesn't. But this kind of explosive news made it worse for the boy. A co-worker of Margaret and Stephen. Apparently, Margaret and Stephen co-own a store with another gentleman and that guy's wife you know there's the four of them kind of running this business together the wife says that margaret insisted patrick call her mommy but he resisted i mean he was like i've got a mom yeah i I mean this is just weird i feel like anytime you're trying to force a kid to call you something that's just you just can't do that you wait, you wait for them to come. You don't ever try to replace the parent. Well, right. But if they, at some point, the parent is absent or something and the kid comes to you, you let them come to you and say, I want to call you this. You don't ever try to make them. That's, that's weird. But this was seemingly kind of forced upon Patrick. And it was also stated by several witnesses that Max demanded Patrick recant his story about her son, Gabe. She was very upset about this whole situation. 
And it seems like she took it out on Patrick. So, yes, um, I feel so bad for this little 10-year-old boy. Margaret even punished Patrick by taking away his blanket and nightlight. All right. Hence why the blanket was in a plastic bag and recently washed, because she had taken it from him as punishment. And his nightlight, because he's probably not comfortable in the pitch dark. So that's a good punishment. That's not weird. Hearsay circulated that Gabe told his girlfriend at school he had sat on Patrick until he stopped breathing. Ah. So that was kind of the rumor back home. Now, that's not been, you know, proven. That's just hearsay. But that rumor was swirling around enough that it was kind of picked up in some different reports and stories. Gabe had apparent anger issues with his brother Noah as well. One report showed him writing on MySpace, because remember we're back in 2003. (laughs) MySpace was like that. Hell yeah, MySpace was lit. He wrote on MySpace, I hate Noah. I'm going to end up killing him. He drives me insane. All right. Now, is that normal for siblings to say that kind of thing? No, to feel the need to express it online like that? Right. No. I mean, siblings fight. Well, you can my holler. I'm going to kill you. I'm uh, Yeah, but not like to go express that and online like that. That's kind of weird. Right. There's a lot of weird stuff with the Gabe there. So let's talk about this other. This is like the sixth kind of weird part of the story. Yeah, I've lost count. Okay. Margaret's brother. Max's brother is a guy named James Bessall. He has come out recently saying that his sister and her sons are innocent and that Stephen McCarthy is simply trying to place blame on them. They stand firm that it was an accident. However, Stephen McCarthy claims that Bessall is some kind of former army ranger or like army scout. All right who had been called in after Patrick's disappearance. The little boy disappears. First thing Max does, I guess after they call the cops, is she calls her brother. And this is before they've even alerted, like, other family members, like the little boy's biological mother. Yeah, that might be important. She calls her brother. He shows up. He's going to help. He says, now this is Stephen McCarthy, he says that there were like five to six hours when Basal would disappear uh, kind of away from the searchers. Yeah. Like he was going to go do his own investigation and that he would just disappear for hours at a time. Now, Max is going to claim that that is absolutely not true. And the only time that he was ever like away from the condo and away from, you know, the search group was when they like went to the store to get supplies. But Stephen's like, no, he would legit disappear for extended periods of time. This is really odd. There was a couple in Lincoln, because of the town that they're in is Lincoln, who raised some concerns after they encountered Basal in a parking lot at the base of Loon Mountain. He was checking the undercarriage of his Jeep, and they, you know, they kind of walk up this couple And they're, like, making conversation. And then they say, isn't it sad about that little lost boy? His response was, he's my nephew, but he couldn't have gone too far because he's such a sissy. Uh, That's inappropriate. Well, the couple thought so as well. They were kind of stunned at Mm. his insensitivity, his coldness. Right. They just thought it was really odd, so they immediately called and kind of filed a police report about their encounter because they just thought it was really unusual. That is unusual. Now, could he have been involved? The terrain is very difficult, and it would take a person with some amount of knowledge, navigation, to get up on that whaleback mountain. Sounds like it'd take that a lot of effort, let alone if... You're carrying a body. I mean, that's, uh, that's what it amounts to. If you're carrying a body, even a child, that's not going to be easy. Well, I have this other theory, if he was involved, yeah, that perhaps it would be easy to take someone, and I'm not trying to give anybody ideas here, but imagine you've got a little boy or anybody. You could take them to a certain spot. You could 
like put them in a sleeping bag or wrap them up in a sheet or something. Yeah. And like tie the ends of it, okay. right? To the trees or something like that. So you don't have any rope burn, whatever. You just leave them out there. Eventually the cold's going to get them, right? So what if that's what happened and he was going these hours and hours up there to check, is he dead yet? Is he dead yet? What the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. Who comes up with that shit? Well, my mom and I were discussing this case earlier when we were having coffee at Starbucks. Right. <laughs> so how you could And so we both kind expose of expose someone Yeah, we kind without of without concluded that that would be tying one way. Them up. Yeah, because we had that same thought and then we kind of look at each other we're like, are we really disturbed fucked up people? Yeah, we are. Yeah, you guys are. Yeah. I'm perfectly normal. All right. Right. But just think about it. If no. he's disappearing, there's a whole five days that this little boy is missing. Right. And this guy is disappearing for extended periods of time. He could be going and checking, is this kid dead yet? Or have they found this body yet? Very is well he could. Well I mean, he's certainly floating that out there. Sounds like he had the opportunity. It's like OJ. I'm not saying you did it, but if you did, here's how you could have done it, right? It's like that book. Yeah. If I did it. Have you read that? No. Crazy. D. Murray, Patrick's biological mother, said that her son was very shy and a little scared, hence the nightlight. Right. Like he was afraid of the dark. She just says there's no way that Patrick would wander off by himself, nor venture up a mountain by himself, go alone. And dude's going to call uh, her stepmom's brother, going to call him a little sissy. He just wouldn't. And right. as a parent, I mean, we know our kids best. We really do. I know my son is not the kind of kid that would go off by himself. Right. I mean, you know that he's not a very independent kind of kid. Right. We could tell, put him in the yard and be like, don't leave the yard. And 10 hours later, he'd still be in the yard. Like, he's not going to go down the street or anywhere. I mean, he's just not that kind of kid. And I know that about him. Yeah. It would be completely out of character for him to wander off and end up two miles away. I'm imagining that this mother is probably the same kind of mom who recognizes that this is very unusual for her son. I mean, she says he hated being alone and wouldn't just go off by himself. Right. You got to have kind of a, be really confident and have a, you know, strong personality, I think, to be more independent to where you would even at 10. That's still pretty young. Take off. Or I'm going to go do this, you know, kind of thing by myself. And he doesn't sound like that type of kid at all. Well, since this case has been ruled accidental, like I said, friends and family have really been pushing to reopen this case. Yeah. And view it as a homicide or at least do a more thorough investigation. New Hampshire investigators have repeatedly refused to do a crime scene investigation Though family members have pleaded with the state, you know, please reopen this case. The New Hampshire Attorney General and the U.S. Attorney's Office say there is no new credible evidence of homicide and the case is closed. I don't get it. I don't get it. So they rule it accidental. They got their cause of death. And that's it for them. They're done. I just don't With this understand. private investigator who has searched through all of this information... At some point, the FBI stepped in, took a look at this, had right. some interesting witnesses make claims, and yet some significant, um, some significant sound like interviews with people, some pretty important information coming out there as far as his home life, or some of these strange statements made, or you know he's not coming back, or he and granted won't be some of this stuff would be considered circumstantial evidence. Right. But there are people who are sitting on death row because of circumstantial evidence. Yeah, or one eyewitness who can't see. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It you know, that's what that, that that's a good point. Sometimes it just blows my mind when it seems like there's an abundance of evidence to lean something one way, and they just absolutely refuse to either reopen or revisit it you know, the, the whatever, you know, prosecutors or stuff in that area. Just absolutely refuse. But like you said, they can take something else 
someone else in another case and just doggedly pursue that person for it. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't get it sometimes. I don't understand the inner workings of our well, I tell quote unquote you, justice system sometimes. Once they get it in their head that it's one, like, say this was an accident. And then and almost it's like a hubris comes into play, you know, or the, and their egos. Like, they don't want, even if they start thinking to themselves, well, maybe that's not right. Or, but I don't want to look bad. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just a lot of cases out there where they just simply refuse to take another look at or something. Or pure laziness. It's or just pure laziness. laziness. Because it would take a lot of work to reopen this. It would, at this point, be a cold case. And to have to basically start from square one. And let's face it, a lot of fucking people don't want to have to do their job. So it's easier to just say, nope, stamp it, case closed, accidental, and go home and sleep well while this poor child's family is left to pick up the pieces. Well, that and there possibly could be someone out here there that did something to him and they never paid for it. Well, there's that. Stephen and Max have since divorced. She's moved to Ohio. Now, Stephen has openly stated that he does not believe a word she or her children have said about Patrick. They um, have a website, Stephen's family. I believe it is run by his father, perhaps. So, like, Patrick's grandfather called PatrickMcCarthy.org. I did check it out. I can say there is some hateful rhetoric on there. Obvious contempt among family members. Really? Like there's someone on there with the last name Murray, which of course is the biological mother's family. Okay. Making statements that are kind of negative. Like, well, you can't all blame it on your wife. You did this and this and that. You know what I mean? Really? You can just tell that there's a lot of contempt between like biological mom, dad, Friends, relatives, it just seems like everybody's kind of at each other's throats. I'm on the nosy and check that out. Everybody pointing the finger, which in some ways is understandable. There's a lot of feelings involved here. This is very emotional. Well, yeah, that could and be. And a lot be, of times it's easier to point the finger and blame someone else. You know, it kind of makes you feel a little better. To and do they that. may have uh, already not locked his ass for other reasons. Well, I mean, you know, there's a who knows. Who knows, after relationships end right, and things like that. But, you know, they do have a site, and they are trying to bring awareness to the case. If you have information, bring it forward, that kind of stuff. It's really just a tragic case all around. And I understand finding it hard to accept an accidental death. Yeah. For these people. And this need maybe to blame someone else for closure. Well, that like happens. if you could just say this person is responsible for this and they need to pay for it, like that might be easier than to just accept that, no, this little boy wandered off and died of hypothermia and it's just a really sad situation. I mean, I don't know. It is a hard case. Was it murder or simply a horrible accident? And yeah, that is uh, sometimes people can't accept the truth. It happens in suicides a lot Definitely. of times. And things like that, they just don't want to admit it to themselves. But, I mean, come on. There's just a lot of strange things. Right. And I wonder how long before they ruled it accidental. How long did they actually investigate it? Did they dig into no, the moms? No, it was fairly quickly. Fairly quick. It so, was it was just cut and dry for them. Recovery yeah, it, operation. It was a very quick right. so that, determination. Uh, again, that could be a mistake because it is sometimes hard, tricky once you put a cause out there and try to retract it without other evidence. Well, that's why I wanted to discuss this case because it's a bit of a departure from what we normally do. We usually cover true crime cases. And we don't. This is not exactly true crime. It could potentially be. We don't know. It's a mystery, really. Yeah. And I thought it was important to talk about because it's a very fascinating case. It's really sad. But it just raises a lot of questions. Well, I think we can all agree that it's I mean, I guess everybody kind of has to make their own conclusion. Like, if you think this is an accident or if you think that it's foul play. Uh, My question is, can I, I want to pose this question real quick. Yeah. 
why did this father, Stephen McCarthy, leave his son alone with this Gabe kid, knowing that there were recent claims of sexual abuse? Good question. That really bothers me. Like, that is one element of this case that I just cannot seem to wrap my head around. I guess. We have a blended family. Yes, You we have do. kids. I have kids. We're like one big dysfunctional, happy, dysfunctional, weird family, right? <laughs> well, we come from two dysfunctional families. We're pretty good together. So. <laughs> we totally are. But, you know, it's like, hey, we got this kind of weird yeah. thing going on here that some people may be like, I don't understand what's going on there. They yeah. don't have to. No. But, you know, we have this blended family. And I'm just thinking if one of your children made claims against my child or my child made claims against your child, I think you and I are mature and responsible enough to take a serious look at it. Oh, you better believe it. And take it seriously. Oh, yeah. And not place blame or victim shame or any or of discount those. it or so, anything. You know, even if I thought, well, I don't really believe that that's what's happening, I would still make an effort to be like, okay, then you don't need to be around that person. Even if I didn't... Because I'm not going to give you an opportunity to fabricate a story right? and give you room to do that. Right. I'm going to be watching you like a hawk. I'm going to be watching that kid like a hawk. Yeah. I just, as a parent, I'm not going to put my child in that situation. I'm not going to put your child in that situation. So I just don't understand why these people would leave these two kids together knowing there was conflict. And obviously, this Gabe kid has some problems. Sounds like Behavioral anger issues. Even if I didn't and think it's probably, it was... Uh... And I don't know, but sounds like maybe a bit of a bully. Because you've got this like quiet, timid, shy, younger kid, and then the older boy. So, I, I don't know. I don't understand that part of it. No, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to make a judgment that... Eh, 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 shitty parent. Shitty parenting choice. Even if I didn't believe <laughs> the... Um... It was true, I would be like, why? That's kind of an extreme allegation. That's not just saying well, right. they pushed me, beat me up, or being mean to me. That's next or level. something my kid would, oh, he looked at me. Right. That's she, next level. She touched my stuff. I, so I would be very concerned why my child is doing something that extreme. Right. Even if, still very concerned if I didn't believe it. Like, why in the world are they, you know, going to go that far with some because this is big big boy stuff this is serious stuff so yeah definitely i wouldn't just uh leave them off to their own device together that just sounds like a horrible idea i think it's a horrible with neither idea. parent yeah but there's a lot of stuff in this case i mean i don't understand why he didn't stand up to his wife i'm not gonna let anyone bully my child no and to demand the story be recanted and then punish that kid. And to me, taking away a frightened child's nightlight and their blanket, and security blanket, what the hell is, is that? Fucked up. And that's just sadistic. And that is not an acceptable form of punishment. No. So I really have a problem with this Max lady. Well, yeah. And I don't even know her. Yeah. But I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. We've said it before on Mountain Murders. I'm just gonna say it. I think she's kind of a piece of shit. Maybe. I don't like her. Maybe. Just based on what I've heard here and read interviews with her, and I just don't like her. <laughs> so, oh, my God. I'm going to look up pictures of her and judge her. This case just stinks. It stinks to high heaven. I mean, whether you believe it was an accident or a homicide, I'm leaning more toward there's a lot of weird shit here that doesn't really add up, that it's just an accident. No, no. I think there's way too many uh, strange things that you laid out there. To definitely be, at the very least, we don't know the real story. Yeah. Right. Something's fishy. No, very. Somebody, and then they somebody farted in the car. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> and then they uh, they divorced. They split. So there was some type of a who knows could have been unrelated right. internal pressures, but it could have been. I don't believe what you and your son said about my son. Well, and I'm sure I the don't stress believe. 
of something like this. Which that happens. We've seen that in cases. That happens with loving couples. Couples you just break can't, up. You lose a child. And you can't deal really with it. Really hard to deal with. I'm sure. And even if you do any of the blaming back right. and forth or the what ifs and all that, that could tear people apart. So this has been the mystery of Patrick McCarthy. I hope that one day we end up with more answers or some resolution for the family. I would at least like to see it reopened and properly investigated. I think it's strange enough circumstances there and the things, some of the things the private investigator dug up that, yeah, I think at the very least, could we just take a good look at it with some really good cold case investigators? And some fresh eyes. Yeah. Maybe just a completely different. Yeah, just go from top to bottom. People yeah. to take over the case. Like yeah. you said, cold case investigators. I mean, can we spend a week on it? Right. I don't know how all that stuff works. You know, I know they get, they know more about it than I do, but yeah, just take another look at it. Yeah. Because there's I think it's some important. strange stuff there. Well, maybe if we bring awareness to the story, maybe somebody somewhere might hear this and maybe have some information that could be valuable. You never know. That's true. And if someone does and has any kind of information, contact the proper authorities. Yeah, definitely. Well, again, we appreciate you taking the time to listen about murders. If you want to sign up, on Patreon. We're going to be popping out a new episode there. Some bonus material this week for you. More ear candy. Join us. <laughs> Is that like the demon from Yeah, Evil Dead? and we'll keep you posted on that live show we're working on. It's going to be dope. Is it? Is it going to be lit? I think, yeah. No, like Dylan kids... accidentally lights himself on fire when he's smoking pre-show. and yeah. I mean, this could be fun. Well, no. I, You're so zany and unpredictable, Dylan. I just don't even know what to expect. And I'm your wife. Ha <laughs> ha. Maybe it'll be the kind of thing where I get really pissed off at you before the live show. Yeah. So it can be like when we're recording this podcast. Yeah, because that really <laughs> helps the energy levels in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but I love no, you. it's going to be tons of fun. And I can't wait to see all our friends. We'll talk to you later. Bye.